is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. This is Locked on Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson. And because you can't keep good hair down, David Walker. Not with the right product. That's right, Doug. <laughs> Pomegranate or apricot? Is it apricot or apricot? Natural juices and berries Fiba only. Or, exactly. Fiber or FIBA? <laughs> Hey, we're returning live this fall exclusively on our YouTube channel. One of our uh, faithful listeners asks if the YouTube channel broadcast will then be turned around for the the regular podcast feed. And and I good think question. well, good question. And I thinking it was an innocent question said yes, of course. The YouTube broadcast, I will then turn them around and put them on the podcast feed. But it was it wasn't an innocent question. It was uh, sort of a, a slight burn. Because he, he he accused me of not knowing what the word exclusively meant. That's a sick That's burn. A sick but burn. I say to you, sir, that it the live broadcast is exclusively on YouTube. You cannot get the live broadcast with the interactivity, the ability to ask us questions. There will be video. You can't get that anywhere but the YouTube channel. So you got to be is, careful. You got to be careful out there, Doug. You got to be specific. They're going to catch it. Well, listen, we we are we are a public entity, so we have to we have to be careful. And even when we're wrong, we have to find a way to be right. And I feel like I I achieved that there. All right, you can watch us and chat with us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays beginning this fall. Go to YouTube, search Hive Talk Live, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live for more information about exactly and exclusively when we go live. You can email your thoughts, your questions, your Hornets-themed cocktail recipes to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. If you have a business or product that you'd like to advertise on the show, email us for more information, buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. All right, our lead topic for this day, this morning, this Wednesday, is a deep dive into one of the newest acquisitions by the Charlotte Hornets, Marco Bellinelli, the made his... Made his bones, got famous in San Antonio. We've got an interview coming up with Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs to talk about his time in San Antonio. But last season, he spent time in Sacramento, and it did not go well, David. Uh, Sacramento. That's what you said, right? Yeah. Yes, that's where he was. Hi, and welcome to the it show. It did not David. go well. <laughs> Uh, well, you threw San Antonio and Sacramento in there, and I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm catching up with you. Yeah, for a lot of people, it doesn't go well in Sacramento, and Marco was uh, no exception to that rule. Career lows out there shooting from three, Doug, and that's what you have to hang your hat on. I think if you're a Hornets fan, you got to say, look, it's a disaster. It's a wasteland. Nothing goes well out there. You had Rudy Gay, who is also, at least for now, is a Sacramento King. He came out today and. I don't know what word you want to use, blasted the organization for I mean, not having some... any continuity or anything like that. 
So yeah. there, there are Take a lot of unhappy and 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 uh, Sacramento Kings that are not performing well. Yeah, I mean, Doug, listen to these. 30% shooting from three last year. That's a career low. Not good. Last year in San Antonio, uh, 37. Mm-hmm. The year before that, 43. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's, it's trending never, down. It's never been lower than about 35%, except when he got to, to Sacramento. So that's why you have to be excited. But you also have to be excited because now Rich Cho and, and, and company, they are finding these guys uh, you know where the value may be low, and they think they can get some uh, some good value out of them when they get back. Well, it's important to know too that the Hornets were interested in yep. trading for Marco Bellinelli when he signing was him. or signing, signing him. Excuse yeah. me, off of that great year or the great two years in San Antonio, right? And they just did not have an opportunity to do so. And and so you know you have to take what happened in Sacramento, I think, with a grain of salt because. You know, look, he got into a shooting slump early in the year last year and never really was able to recover out of his tailspin. And I think some of that is on him. I think that's fair. Sure. And his shot selection, which was questionable at times in Sacramento. But I, I think some of that is on the staff not finding a way to really help him out of that shooting slump. And, you know, we always talk about shooting slumps and we say sometimes you have to shoot yourself out of a shooting slump. You have to keep shooting. Got to. But but I think that Marco Bellinelli was a little bit miscast in that Sacramento role because technically he was a reserve, but he really became Sacramento's third scoring option. And I don't know if that's really a, a role that suits him. And and I don't th- and I think that because when a defense knows that Marco Bellinelli is the third scoring option and are able to key in on him when he can't hide from the defense he becomes a liability because he's not very athletic you know he he, I think he became a scoring threat in San Antonio by hiding in the corners and knocking down clutch shots but when he has to find his own shot when he has to put up a shot fake and try to take an off balance long two or three that's not that's what happened in Sacramento and I don't think that's really in his best interest in terms of statistics and not certainly not in the best interest of the team and instead of reining Marco back in I think George Carl extended Marco Bellinelli's leash until the very end when they finally mercifully went to Seth Curry and they increased his role as the season went on and the shooting slump got worse and it got worse and it got worse and so I think that's a factor. I think he was a bad fit in Sacramento from the beginning. And as we've already said, David, it's not easy playing in a tumultuous situation. Yeah. And every week we heard bad news mm. out of Sacramento. And it's not all on that. You're right. But you're and but you're also right in saying that it's not easy to play in that situation. And for a player like Bellinelli of, of his skill level, you oftentimes need – a good surrounding, good supporting staff. You know, it's also interesting, Doug. They were trying to get him, as you mentioned, the year before last, right? So they really got him. Uh, well, they obviously got him at a price that was lower, obviously, than it would have been this year. Obviously, everything jumped up this year, but they got a, a reserve swingman for around $6 million a year uh, for the rest of that contract. So, I mean, that's another keen move there by, by Cho. I think you have to be happy about that. I want to ask you this, Doug. Malachi Richardson was a guy the Kings drafted. Will you be keeping an eye on him no. to see how things go? No, okay. I don't. I don't live in the past. All I right. am very ask my wife. I'm very present minded. I'm not really even future minded. I'm just very in the moment, day to day, 
it helps when you're analyzing an 82 game season. Well, look at you. Because, <laughs> well, I'm just that's my philosophy. That's my but, life philosophy. Because you've said uh, athleticism, um, mm-hmm. young legs, and mm-hmm. that's something Richardson does possess. He's a lot. Um, yeah, he's, maybe he's raw. three or four. Yeah, three right. or four he's years raw. from now. And so I think that's the trade we talk about it all the time with the Hornets trying to do on draft night, adding guys that could come in and play right now, and I don't know that malachi richardson is going to get a lot of playing time in sacramento um this year or next year and probably wouldn't have got it here in charlotte either yeah i I have a few keys i think to making marco bellinelli successful here in in charlotte so listen up coaching tell me them this is expert analysis I think you have to hide him from the opposing defense. I've already kind of mentioned that. I think he he can't be the number one, number two scoring option. You have to have other offensive threats around him. And I think the Hornets will have plenty of those to go around this season. And I think you have to find him shots in the flow of the offense. Or he will – he's a shooter, and he said last year many times, because people were asking him about the shooting slump, and and he said you know, he wants the ball early – and he's going to be aggressive. That's how he's always been. He's a shooter. He's a shooter, baby. And those guys are always aggressive, regardless of whether they miss their first five shots. And so I think you have to find him within the flow of the offense, get him going early, or or suffer the consequences. And I think you also have to hide him from the opposing offense on defense. They're going to have to find some playing groups that make up for the fact that he's not a great defender. Yeah, he's here to shoot. I mean, that's right. He's here to add that outside shooting off of the bench. Former three point shooting champ from All Star Weekend. So, um, hate to bring up All Star Weekend again. Oh, uh, sorry, buddy. But, um, yes, I mean, that's what they're bringing in. And they, like we said, they really liked him uh, a season ago, went after him and tried to get him. So, I think that they um, saw the chance to get him and jumped at it. And that's got to tell you something because, you know, when, when Cho and, and um, Clifford have, have seen guys over the past couple of years they wanted to get, it's turned out well more, more often than not. Last key, get him touches early and find him late. I think that we really haven't talked about it with in terms of Marco Bellinelli yet, but one of the things that he really brings to this team is a guy that you can give the ball to in, in the last – couple of possessions to knock down a clutch shot it's something they relied a lot uh, on Nick Batum for last season those fourth quarter clutch three-point baskets to either bury a team or or get your team back into a position to win a ball game Marco Bellinelli was that guy for the San Antonio Spurs I'll talk more about that with Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs coming up but if if he can get his confidence back early on in the season look for him to be an option uh, late in the season late. and in the playoffs if they're able to make it to be w- another option for the Hornets late when, when you add you know Kimba Walker Nick Batum and Marco Bellinelli that could be dangerous and he could be a that guy right situation. I mean he could get yeah. on a hot streak in the third quarter and and you could ride him you know into the fourth at the end of the game which they did with Jeremy Lin at times last year now he's not going to give you uh, the offensive creation for himself, like you mentioned, like Lynn did, and may not get to the to the to the rim as well either. But he's going to give you that outside shooting, and they're going to ask they're going to they're going to ask him to shoot. They're going to demand him to shoot. So that's what he's out there for. You know, the best shooters are present minded. So I feel like in in my life philosophy, I'm definitely a shoot first shooting guard. What do you say, Stay Doug? Present. What do you say, Doug, to to the fans <laughs> though that were you know 
less than enthused by this news on draft night specifically because there was little to no excitement for the Hornets on draft night. And, you know, to be honest, this is not as exciting as uh, some unknown rookie would be. I would say, hey, fans, how you doing? <laughs> Listen, I know Marco might not be exciting, but his last name is Bellinelli, and his first name is Marco. Just think of all the cool tweets you can send, like, Marco Polo, he just found the net, or something with belly. You can definitely do something with that. I haven't thought of it yet, but just let it let it roll around the old pumpkin, and then get on Twitter. 140 characters. That's a lot of characters. You can do something with that, and that's exciting. There you go. That's you my go, that's my reasoning. If you don't feel better after that, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> they feel better now that I've stopped talking. They're like, yes, I feel a lot better that he has stopped talking specifically to me. Okay, now time for one of our favorite segments, and then we've got Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs coming up to tell us more about Marco Bellinelli and his days in San Antonio. That'll make you feel better, I think. If you forget about Sacramento oh, and yeah. focus on San Antonio, that will make you feel a lot better about Marco joining the Hornets. Again, time for one of our favorite segments. Frank Kaminsky asks questions on Twitter. This is a disclaimer, folks. These are real questions asked by the real Frank Kaminsky on real Twitter. Who wants to play the new Zombies map tonight? Gotta have a mic and be a serviceable player. Add Manila Fungus 724 on Xbox One. This has been Frank Kaminsky Asks Questions on Twitter. Manila Fungus 724. I want to know if that's real. I never tried that. I I have Xbox One. Let us know, folks. Yeah. Send us, if you're friends with Manila Fungus 724. If you have an Xbox One. And the avatar looks looks, uh, very familiar. Frank Kaminsky familiar. If it's a picture of just a sweet tea. (laughs) (laughs) Or a tank with a sweet tea popping out of it. Yeah, let us know. We want to know if that's the real Frank Kaminsky. And if you've played on Xbox One with him. Maybe a new Zombies map. I don't know what game he was speaking about specifically. But if you've played, let us know. Buzz Buzz at HiveTalkLive.com. We want to know. We're joined now by the host of Locked On Spurs here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Jeff Garcia. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for being on. Thanks for inviting me. So you have some special insight into Marco Bellinelli because you covered Marco in, in two of his breakout seasons for the San Antonio Spurs. Talk to us about, uh, for, let's go back to the beginning. When the Spurs acquired Marco Bellinelli, he was there to replace what Gary Neal brought to that squad. Uh, Gary Neal, correct. Yeah, so what, what did he bring to that Spurs uh, roster early on? Well, what he brought to the Spurs early on was simply that deep outside threat. That's what Bellinelli is known for, the three-point shot. And not necessarily known for defense, but nonetheless, he replaced the Gary Neal uh, offensive punch, at least from the perimeter, in his uh, first year back in 2013-2014 season. Not only that, he brought a wealth of experience. He had been playing uh, with several teams prior to coming to the Spurs with the Warriors, the Raptors, the Hornets, and the Bulls. So he brought in at least some sort of NBA experience that Neal had a bit, but not the extent that Bellinelli had. But nonetheless, he was an outside shot. He helped open up the paint for Tim Duncan. And I don't want to say former Spur Tim Duncan. That's going to just break my heart. But (laughs) Tim, for former Spur Tim Duncan, 
And, uh, of course, Thiago Splitter was on the squad, too. So that definitely – he helped open up that paint and let those two big men go to work. So he was definitely exactly what the Spurs needed at that time, that offensive firepower from deep. So uh, they were able to find Marco Bellinelli open shots, especially from uh, the corner where where he really uh, became uh, a magnificent deep threat for the San Antonio Spurs. What did they do offensively to maximize Marco Bellinelli's effectiveness? Well, quite simple. They had a guy named Tim Duncan in the paint where he had to respect. All right, we got to go. Okay, good. Um, Step one, the Hornets have to go get a Tim Duncan. All right, what else did yeah, they do? <laughs> go get a Tim Duncan uh, Hornets. You know, um, just that's all you got to do. It's so easy. that You get them at the store. But, no, the, the Tim Duncan was obviously still trimming along. He was still, you know, the wheels had not come completely off his legs yet. So he was still a threat. He was still putting up the double-doubles, um, you know, all of that paint threat that the opposing teams had to respect. Of course, Chicago Splitter, he was with the Spurs. They had to respect the pick and roll that he was great in, him and Tony Parker, him and Mills. They were able to just break that down, that pick and roll, easy to uh, paint for an easy layup. So Bellamy came in with a huge advantage, knowing that he had that kind of threat in the paint in San Antonio. So that helped as much. Not to mention, too, the Spurs have one of the better shooting gurus in the league, uh, Chip England. He worked with Bellinelli a lot. I covered the Spurs back in that championship uh, season. And prior to games, Bellinelli would always be out practicing his shot. At the time, I believe he was having some back issues, so he would always have his back wrapped up. He had an ice pack stuck to him. Um, but he was still out there taking shots. And hitting them effortless, effortlessly, uh, him and Chip England were working on every aspect of the outside game, whether it be the mid-range, the three-point shot, corner three, free throw line, top of the key. He was consistently working. And that's one thing that stood out for me when I covered Bellinelli in San Antonio was his work ethic. He was out there, even when he had a bad back. And even if he, the bad back was flaring up, he was still out on the court, not necessarily taking shots, but he'd be off to the side, speaking with the Spurs coaching staff, or even as simple as bonding with his new teammates during his uh, quote-unquote rookie season with the Spurs, his first year in 2013-14. He was sitting on the bench. I have photographs. I was actually going through my old uh, photographs uh, looking for some old Tim Duncan pictures and actually had quite a few Bellinelli photographs of him warming up, even video of him warming up, knocking down those threes, knocking down the shots, wrapped up, and nothing slowed him down. He was personable with the media. He was very friendly with uh, his teammates. So hopefully he will continue that in Charlotte. You know, Jeff, when when he first uh, came to the Spurs, he was coming off a, a quiet year as a reserve for the Chicago Bulls. And I think a lot of people around the league viewed him as a one-dimensional player. But... Uh, those same people were surprised when he was able to show a multifaceted game and even improved his defensive ability uh, with the San Antonio Spurs. A lot of that regressed mm-hmm. this past season with Sacramento. But talk about how he opened up uh, different parts of his game. He even became uh, uh, effective as as a, as a driver. Right. You know, again, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but you still had a healthy Tim Duncan who the teams had to respect on the offensive end, which opened up the lane for Bellinelli. So with that being said, and of course, the part two of that answer for you is simply this. Popovich and the Spurs' defense-first philosophy. 
he bought into it, completely bought into it. He had teammates around him that didn't let him forget that defense wins championship. He proved it in the first year uh, and is with the Spurs, but he bought into that mindset. I, and I think with Bellinelli, it has to be that collective mindset. He's going to regress to what he naturally feels comfortable with, his comfort zone, which is all offense, three-point shot, very little defense. But in San Antonio, they were still, at that time, before they started shifting gears and uh, heading up to now into more of an offensive flow, defense, defense, defense. That's always been the mantra in San Antonio. Defense wins title, and especially with Popovich. And I think Popovich's presence as well as far as his mentality of you don't play defense, you don't get on the court, really got to Bellinelli. He committed to defense. He's not going to be the world stopper. He's not going to be uh, in the defensive player of the year votes, but he really committed to it. And it showed at times in San Antonio. I was surprised at a couple of plays where he was up on uh, players in the perimeter. He was up on small uh, forwards trying to, you know, disrupt plays, trying to get hands in the lanes. Uh, it would be good, to hopefully, that he goes back to that and become that somewhat of a well-rounded player in uh, Charlotte. Yeah, and defense will certainly be a, a focus uh, when he comes to Charlotte because Clifford uh, loves to preach team defense. It was it was not a focus in Sacramento, so it will be interesting to see if he does return to uh, uh, some of his defensive form that he did show in San Antonio. Uh, Jeff, let's move on to that second year, the, the championship season uh, for San Antonio. It seemed like near the end of that season and into the playoffs, his role was reduced. He got into a bit of a shooting slump, and his role was reduced by Greg Popovich, but he was still able to make an impact in that championship run. Uh, what kind of things did he do that were maybe quiet uh, kind of leadership things in that playoff series? Well, he hit, knocked out a couple of key shots for San Antonio, especially during the finals against Miami, that helped uh, propel the Spurs to win the title. Even during the regular season, and when he was doing his, when having his slumps and his side of the streak and shooting that you don't want him to have, he was still out there trying. He still shot. You know, shooters shoot. The only way to break out of that slump is to shoot, and he kept that going quite some time, almost to his detriment during um, the sometimes during the regular season and during the postseason, but he never gave up. He consistently was trying to find a shot, and when he found it, knocked it down at key moments. One thing I noticed about him, he's not afraid to take the key shot. He was not afraid to do that in San Antonio. He hasn't. He was never afraid to do that during his career. We all know about his, in particular, dance that he does with his hands below his uh, waist. So he's <laughs> definitely clutch. He's not. He's not afraid to take that shot. Uh, and, but sometimes the you know it, it kind of makes you uh, pull your hair out because what are you doing, Bellinelli? During that last season with San Antonio, there were a lot of Spurs fans who would cringe whenever Bellinelli would have the ball in his hands. It was to the point where they were hoping Danny Green was already starting to come to his own and making a name for himself. Around that time, you saw Bellinelli kind of shifting outside and Danny Green kind of coming to light when fans were noticing, hey, this guy, this Danny Green can knock down shots. Give him the ball. Oh, and by the way, Danny Green can play defense? Get Bellinelli out of here, you know. There were times during that last uh, season where Spurs fans were just praying for Coach Pop to pull Bellinelli in for Danny Green. So 
he started becoming kind of a whipping boy for Spurs fans in that last season. But, I mean, even if you look at his stats in the final season with the Spurs, he still put up nine points per game. He still grabbed about three rebounds. He still uh, was shooting from deep. I mean, not his greatest, but, I mean, 37%. You know, he had a considerable drop-off from his first year with San Antonio from 43 to 37%. Uh, he was still a somewhat of an effective shooter, 42% from the field. But, again, uh, you know, his, his attempts went down, and I think that was just mainly because his, his shot was off. He wasn't trying to commit to defense much in that second season. Pop kind of reined him in. He only played, what, a grand total of 62 games in his final season in San Antonio. Nine games started. So, you know, you started seeing the honeymoon period wear off already with uh, Bellinelli, and then he ended up signing with the Kings. Jeff, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us about Marco Bellinelli during some of his better times in San Antonio. I know that Hornets fans hope that those better times return again for Marco Bellinelli. You can listen to Jeff on his show, Locked On Spurs, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and follow him on Twitter at JeffGSpursZone. Great conversation there with Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs. If you want to hear more about the Spurs, if you're a secret San Antonio Spurs fan, check out Locked On Spurs on the Locked On Podcast Network, audioboom.com. A couple of quick hits before we get out of here. Kimba Walker, he's in the news. He's also no longer staying silent. He released his own statement on the Players' Tribune titled, How I Can Help, in response to Michael Jordan's statement, which we profiled on yesterday's show. In it, he discusses gun violence, police killings, the Orlando massacre, and he shows his support for the SB statement by fellow players Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, and LeBron James. He also shows support for the WNBA players making statements with their pregame t-shirts and the NBA's decision to move the 2017 NBA All-Star Game. Kimba writes, quote, Nothing hard ever comes easy, and it could not be more clear that there's so much more to do. Together, though, we can help move things forward. I know we're not politicians. I get that. But we're also not just athletes. I'm going to do my best to use the platform I've been given to help bring about social change in this country, and I hope that other players will do the same. There you go, David. Another Hornets voice stepping up and speaking out. What do you think? Yeah, I think that says even more about what Michael Jordan did, uh, you know, 24 hours ago and putting out his statement and just what kind of impact that has on guys like Kimba, you know, younger guys that grew up watching him and are now kind of moved to put their own statement out there because that was some of the the criticism or some of the reaction to that was well did you know Jordan's statement really inspire you to do something and I so I think you underestimate what kind of impact he has especially on you know guys on his team and younger players around the league when they see that um, it, it, it inspires them to do the same so good for Kemba for getting out and, and putting that out there. It's a great point, David. It's a hidden impact. What an impact that I haven't heard talk. I've heard a lot of talk about that the statement from Michael Jordan wasn't enough, or it was inadequate, or it was wrong in some way. But I haven't heard about this hidden impact about inspiring other players to speak out. And when MJ does something, it matters to other players. And we've heard that in the locker room, yeah. where guys say, you know, it matters that our owner is Michael Jordan because it helps us as basketball players. So I, I think that's a, a very important point. And I just think it's interesting, and I don't know if you can draw a direct correlation. I, I guess you can because both Michael Jordan, uh, he's made a statement on it, and Kimba has now made a statement on it. But this whole 
debacle with House Bill 2 has suddenly uh, supercharged uh, uh, politically this basketball team. You now have the owner and the marquee player in yeah. Kimba Walker stepping up, and, and this is something we're not used to. In and we Charlotte. should note that Kimba, you know, mentioned that he supported the NBA's decision in yeah. in this statement. So yeah, you're right. It's um, it's an interesting offseason around here, Doug. I don't think we predicted that any of these conversations may have been happening. But again, I think that's great for Kimba. Uh, to feel like he wants to get out there and do some things and, and make his voice heard. And hopefully, hey, you know, that's how it goes. It goes down the line. He can inspire someone else. Coming up Thursday, we're going to talk to Adi Joseph about the Eastern Conference outlook, where teams are ranked in his mind. Miami, the Miami Heat making a signing to try to help boost their ranking. Dion Waiters signs for two years, $6 million. There is a player option on that second year. David, I ask you this. Should Hornets fans be a little peeved that Ramon Sessions is making twice that amount in Charlotte and Dion now in Miami? Mm, that's a good question, Doug. I think you look at the locker room impacts, right, when you talk about Sessions versus Waiters as well. Um, and the Hornets knew knew about Sessions, so they, they had some history there. Waiters, that's an interesting one. I mean, we talked about him last week and, and where he might end up. Well, and, he, you know, he passed up his qualifying offer, which yeah. was significantly higher. I think it was in the six-plus million-dollar range, so he lost yeah. half his money. He's betting on himself, as they say. So um, I don't think he's ever bet on anyone else but himself. That's a good he point. Is, that's a good point. <laughs> he is Kobe Wade, that's as, as Dion has uh, quoted himself to be. Uh, I, yeah, I think – I kind of get it because you look at Dion Waiters and you look at Ramon Sessions, and I think Dion has the higher profile. But we constantly yeah. talk about the fact that uh, Rich Cho, the front office, Steve Clifford, they they all may not agree on everything, but they agree on the type of player and the type of attitude that they like here in Charlotte. And I don't think Dion Waiters fits that mold. And, and you know, he is yeah he's someone that is a little mercurial he he can uh, uh rub you the wrong way he can take a shot when you you don't really you were like why did he take that shot uh and and different things like that that i think would have messed with the chemistry and you put that beside ramon sessions someone again who is familiar with how things operate here in charlotte he's familiar with coach clifford he's familiar with the front office and it starts to make a little more sense why they would go yeah, and and to me, I think the addition of waiters is best by a team, you know, oddly enough, like the Thunder or Cleveland or a Golden State. You know, someone that's established with established stars that are just looking to add a little bit of offensive firepower. So, uh, how he fits on the Heat, uh, we'll see. But I, it wouldn't have been a, a great. You've got fit. now you've got Dion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside on the same team. If if two negatives equal a positive, then it could mean good things. But it's going to be interesting. That's a good point. That is going to be an interesting pairing there. They needed offense. I mean, you, it makes sense on in in terms of Miami because they desperately needed outside shooting. Yeah. And let me tell you something. They got shooting. They got shooting. <laughs> and it will be outside. It will be. Will it be on target? <laughs> Who knows? Stay tuned. The Hornets will get four chances to see. We'll see him. <laughs> if he right. has a good night, I'm sure we'll see at least two of them. That's right. Finally, Team USA has cruised through both of their warm-up games before the Olympics in Rio. David, this is a B-team squad, essentially. A lot of high-profile. Team USA? Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, no Steph, no LeBron. Carmelo? 
right? That's good. I like that. Kyrie. Sure. I, I'm just saying, it's not the best team that they could possibly Plumlee? feel. Oh, no, he's not on this time. We'll call it an A-minus team. Okay. But they look like they have really no competition coming into Rio. You have Marcus Gasol's injury keeping him out of the games. Again, they cruised past uh, China. I believe Argentina was the other game. I watched the China game. They streamed it on Facebook, by the way. That's great. We're in the future, the year 2000. We're going to start streaming on Facebook, too, I think. Exclusively? Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Okay, if we... Okay. If we decide to go, we haven't fully 100% decided to go to Facebook. But if we do, then I will change the. We're intro. still waiting to see its staying power. We're, just, we're not. <laughs> is this Facebook thing going to work? Is this going to work out? <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to Team USA. They they look like a great squad. I mean, it's it's not going to be. <laughs> and there it is, folks. I'm just that's my analysis. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're not the going to have any problems. The French team could be interesting, and we'll keep tabs on that in terms of Nick Batum. You got Nick Batum, Tony Parker, who Tony Parker seems to step up his game for international play. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't think they'll have any problem getting to the gold medal game and, and winning it. I mean, Kevin Durant, I mean, I'll tell you what, he gets booed, right, the first time out in L.A. the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's bonding there with, with Draymond and, got and Clay. A two, so got a Tupac tattoo on his got leg. A Tupac now. slash Wu Tang tattoo on oh, his leg. Oh, is it slash Wu Tang? Well, there's a there's Do you a. You have to pay for both. There's or a Wu Tang symbol of, like right below Tupac's head, so it's all part of the same tattoo. Got it. Um, which is interesting, but it yeah, hey, it looks good. I, no, they're gonna be fine. Coach K's swan song, we guess. I don't know. Maybe we'll decide to come back. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? No, they'll be fine. I love Team USA. I've, I actually have not seen them play yet, though, so I look forward to that. But I don't think they'll have much trouble at all. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Hornets fans, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live. For more Locked on podcasts, visit audioboom.com and search Locked on. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And hey, while you're there, do us a favor. Give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast and you know be kind share this podcast with your friends hornets fans nba fans uh we 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 would love the extra listens if you'd like to advertise with us email buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com hive talk live is a presentation of sp nations at the hive.com we're back tomorrow deep diving roy hibbert with locked on lakers host anthony Irwin and indycornrows.com editor tom lewis for david i'm doug go hornets go america Have a wonderful Wednesday. Let's swarm, Charlotte.